Hey everybody, this is No Regrets Marriage Podcast, and I'm Johnny Morton. And I'm Carla. And we are glad that you've taken time out of your day to spend a little bit of it with us. All right, we're just, uh, we just finished up last week a series on the seasons of marriage, and we thought we would do one more connected to that, and really just sort of focus it on how do you stay in spring and summer? Now, we know we said normal seasons, fall's a wonderful time, and winter, snow, and all of that, but in marriage, where you want to stay is in spring and summer. Those are the sweet spots. Now, we know that things can happen that either push you into fall, or sometimes, as I was thinking about earlier, sometimes you get people that they're in the spring when they're starting out because they never really establish good habits to begin with, they almost skip the summer and go straight to the fall True. and some yeah. of the struggles that it brings. So what we want to talk about a little bit tonight is, hey, what are some of those tools? And we want to give you some good tools. And let me go ahead and say this now. Uh, some of the things we may refer and encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other podcasts. And we did talk more about specific tools that we might mention tonight. But if you have any questions or if you'd like to get some of the tools, we would love to email them to you. So if you just go to our website, noregrets.org, and uh, send us a message, and we will get you some tools that you can use to work on your marriages. All right, let's think about, Carla, what would you say? Um, let's start at the beginning. I think spring, I think we've talked about, we referred to it, is that idea of creating a vision for your marriage. In just a couple of quick sentences, why is it important to create a vision for what you want your marriage to be? How can that help keep you in the spring and summer? Well, I think when a couple does that and they're really intentional about thinking about and actually putting it down on paper, and that's what we have couples do, and there's sort of an exercise that we have them do to work through it, it's the idea of creating this shared vision or this common goal that you want to have for your marriage. And it's a lot of times people are really familiar with it in the work world because we have visions and mission statements and all that that sort of define what an organization or a ministry or a business is. But in our marriages, a lot of time we just get married. We just sort of kind of do life. But we're not really intentional about thinking about what do we want our unique marriage to look like and be about. Yeah, I think people probably do just a few of the little things. I think you think about when do we want to have children. You've probably already planned on careers and if both of you are going to work outside the home, how those things can go. Maybe what kind of house you're going to have. But as far as a vision for what your marriage itself is going to look like, what are going to be those key principles that you build that relationship on? Yeah, I agree. I don't know that everybody does that. And I think it's a huge part of creating a marriage that's going to stay in those good seasons. Because well, if there's no goal, you sort of end up wandering and you don't know telling where you're going yeah, to Yeah, and up. you just sort of just let life come at you and just kind of go with it. But when you think about it, if you have a goal or an ideal that you want to be about as a couple, then it does help define your yeses and your noes. So if you want to be, let's say you want to be a couple that says, we want to be able to be spontaneous and open to whatever God has for us, whatever comes along that looks like an open door. We want to go for it. 
Well, that may mean that you sort of structure your lives differently. Like maybe you decide that you're going to rent. You don't want to buy a house because you're thinking, you know what? If something else comes up and we feel an opening or a calling to go do something, then we want to be able to just go. And so we're not really tethered to a lot of stuff. So there can be a million things that could define you as a couple and what you want to be about. Yeah, we have a tool that we use with our couples that we either do premarital or marital coaching. And but there's probably a lot of different tools out there. Again, would love to send you what we use with couples. But I think just the fact of sitting down and really thinking about and making a plan, hey, this is what we want our marriage to be like. And then that becomes your guide for your yeses, your no's. And then not only do you want to create the vision, but you want to keep going back to it and monitoring and doing a check and seeing where we're going to be. Yeah. And that's one of the key things that's going to help you from falling into that fall kind of season, I think. Yeah, where you're just sort of drifting a little bit and life's just sort of happening at you, if you would, and you're not being that intentional about where you're moving and where, where your focus is. All right. So we're talking about how do we stay in spring and summer. You mentioned the word intentional, and we use that a lot because I think you need to do, it doesn't just happen, it's work, and you want to put some of these tools into practice. Now, some people may have their own, but if they don't, we've got a few suggestions. So let's think terms more first about communication. Because I think communication is big, and that helps keep a lot of problems from happening later on. So what are some of the best communication tools? Well, um, in some of these we have referenced before, so the idea of the five questions that couples can ask. We did do a podcast a couple of weeks back, so if you didn't hear that one. And it is the idea that you take these five questions and literally one time a week, you take a few minutes as a couple and you ask each other these questions because it is really drives at what do you want and or need this week? How can I love you? How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? And so it's questions that you really got to give an answer to. It's not a fine, okay, I don't know. It's really, you got to be intentional about thinking about, well, how do I want to be loved this week? How could you serve me? Yeah, what's really good about it is not only is it a a great way to communicate, but it really keeps you accountable. And and that's a big thing, I think. It's sort of that accountability because you're checking up each week are you really loving on your spouse? Are you cherishing her or him in the way that they need to be? And it's like somebody's going to test you on, okay, what have you done this past week? What are well, you going to do this next week? Yeah, because one of the questions is, how did you feel loved this past week? So if you're running week after week and you can't come up with anything, then that may be like, oop, okay, we need to relook at this. So it's one of those ways to really say, stay super intentional week in and week out, that ability to connect. Other even things like we talk about are the highs and lows. And this may be in season. Peaches and pits. Yeah. Super fast, but really nice to connect. Sometimes you may have to do this over your heads of your kids at the dinner table. If you're in a season with little children and lots of things happening, or you get them to bed, you meet in the closet, and you have literally two and a half minutes, but you say to one another, what was the lowest part of your day? What was the hardest part? And they say it. And what was the best part of your day? And literally, if you only had a couple of minutes, then at least you get some window into, wow, 
the fifth time the kid threw up was her lowest point today. And for me, it was when my boss had this attitude, you know, da-da-da-da-da, or flip that. It could be any number of things. And then you say, what was something that was the high point? So it's just a quick, easy way. But when couples do that and they make it a habit, then they are at least intentionally having a conversation that's not, did you get the mail? Did you get that email? Did you pay that bill? Can you go to the drugstore tomorrow? It's about you and your life. And it's not just about the to-dos. Yeah. And it also was so good about those questions, the high and low as it takes out of how was your day? Fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. It makes it so you can't give the one word answer that you really have to think about it and then actually talk about what it was. Johnny sometimes still gets stuck on this little question here because he loves fine, which I've explained to him is a five on a scale of one to 10. It gives you nothing, 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 nothing. Yes, that's the point sometimes. So anyway, so that's a, those are two, the, the highs and lows of the days, the, uh, the five questions I would say are really just, I think some of the other things on communication real quick, and then we'll move on is, Hey, if you've never really done, done the love languages, I think that's important. We talked earlier in some of our other podcasts about the love tank, keeping that filled. And that's just really understanding and knowing how does your spouse feel loved from you and really then being intentional about doing those things. Hey, if, if it's words of affirmation, if it's quality time by just doing things together, if it's quality time by sitting and talking with each other, it's making sure that you're doing those things on a regular basis that does it. Yeah. And that really, and it is amazing how easy it is, even though we know that information, that information's been out there a long time. We still find couples all the time. And when you ask the spouse to turn and ask the other spouse, how did you feel loved? How do you want to feel loved? Or what feels loving to you? Sometime the other person is at a blank. And that means we're making assumptions about we're doing something that we think is loving toward our spouse. But if they're not receiving it that way, then you're missing each other. Yeah, we just did a podcast several weeks ago uh, about Truity.com, who came out with a different version of the love language test that comes up with seven that uh, that maybe it'd be a new way to look at it for you. Because I think they have some pretty neat insights on that. So you can go check out that podcast in the past. Um, as far as talking about other things to keep you in spring and summer, uh, one of the big ones that we really encourage couples to do is date nights. Oh, yeah. Um, you need to keep pursuing your spouse. And one of the big ways to do that is through date nights. That's how you got together pretty much most people in the first place is they started dating each other. Well, you want to keep doing that after you get married. Uh, What are some date night ideas that can help communication, that can help keep things going, that can keep you in those really good seasons? Well, and I think there's probably a variety of ways to think about date night. I think date night may be sometime kids are little, money's tight, you may not even get a babysitter. It may be that you say on a given night, I'm going to try to take a nap this afternoon. Let's just say mom's at home with the kids. I'm going to try to get a little nap in so that I'm not already dead by 930 or 9. Kids are going down 30 minutes early. We're having date night in the den. We're going to order out. We're going to cook something that's fun to eat together. We're watching a movie. We're sitting out on the porch. 
you know, looking up at the stars, we're doing a home date night. But it can still be something that's fun that you plan for and you look forward to when that evening comes around. So you can have those. I think there are other times that you've had a hard, maybe dry, hard season, and you may need to be sort of really intentional with something bigger than that. Yeah, really putting the romance Yeah, on. you really need a night away. You really need to ask you your parents. You may need a weekend away. Yeah, you need a night or a weekend away because you all need some couple time, really. Yeah. And again, and the whole purpose of date night, we want to reemphasize this. Yes, it's for fun, but it's a way to keep you connected. Uh, one of the things we've done over the years is we would read a book together and you know read a chapter supposedly a week. We did it maybe a chapter a month or every two weeks or something. And then our cheap date night, Dairy Queen, uh, we get supper there and then we just sit and talk about the chapter. Uh, it could be a thing about marriage. It could be an, an issue about spiritual growth or some other subject. But again, it's a way to keep connected that you're going beyond just that surface level of communication that so often takes up what our time does. And I think the idea with date night is, again, whether it's in your den, whether you dress up for it or not, whether you make or a big... Or dress down. Or dress down, or whether you make a big to-do about a night away with the babysitter or overnight care or a weekend, that kind of thing, it is the idea that you're intentional. And either any of those little ones and anything in between, you got to have some some intentionality, even if you decide to say you want it to be spontaneous. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, the kids are both gone tonight. You know what? Whoop. Hang on. We can do a date night. We can do. So even that, you got to be intentional about saying, wow, I just realized mom's going to keep the kids or the kids are all gone and you have a little window of time. Don't waste it. Make certain that you're really pouring into one another. And it may be unrealistic to do it every week, but you need to be doing it every couple of weeks. You don't probably need more than a month to go by that you're not doing something that's just you and your spouse, even if it's a small, short thing. Yeah, one last thing I'd say sort of along these lines in the area of communication, that is, hey, do those things to build your lives' spiritual intimacy. And that's, hey, spend time praying together. Uh, obviously, you ought to be praying for each other. Spend some time talking about, you've gone to church, you've listened to the sermon, talk about it afterwards. Uh, read a book together, serve together, find a place doing that. But don't neglect that spiritual aspect of your relationship. And, and I really think if you get a marriage that they do all those things we've said, they've created a vision they're talking, they're communicating on a deeper level. They're doing date nights. They're following up on their love languages. They're doing the five questions, being intentional and building the spiritual intimacy. I think there are, that's going to keep them in a lot of times in that spring and summer. Oh, absolutely. And we said this when we talked about um, fall and winter on those podcasts that what we find is sometimes life events tragedies, traumas, um, heartaches, just hard seasons will typically push you into a fall, um, even into a winter possibly. But the difference is in how a couple will weather it is have they had time in spring and summer to really put into play all those things you were just saying. And if they have, I put my money on the fact that they will still weather a harder, colder 
season and they'll come out stronger on the other side of it because of that. The challenge is you end up, life sometimes throws you into a fall, but you don't have the pieces of the connectivity and the strength of your marriage from the spring and the summer. All right. So one of the things we said is we talked about the seasons. We said every season has its own sense of turmoil, that turmoil and conflict they're going to be part of spring. They're going to be part of summer, definitely fall and winter. It's how you handle that conflict that's going to keep you in the spring and summer. So what are a full few tools in thinking, how do we handle conflict in a really healthy way? What are a couple of things that we can give people that are listening? Well, I think um, we have the, and we talked about some of this in our, those series on conflict, but it's there's some what we call 10 steps of kind of dealing with conflict. But one of the other things that we talk to couples about a lot is sort of identifying where your level of conflict is and using a scale of one to 10. For example, if, if something comes up and it's, it's, it's irritating, whatever you did to me was irritating. Okay. But it's, it's a, it's a little thing. And so that's a one or two, maybe. But what about if it's a big time issue? I am really upset. There is something that's occurred. I need to be able to categorize to you, Johnny, this is an this is a seven, seven point five. This is important. Yeah, this is not something we can overlook. Yeah, I I can't let this just roll off my back. This is not going to be one of those that just lets just let some of that roll. This has got to be dealt with. And so I think sometimes helping your partner know where you are. The other thing we say to couples sometimes is when you're in a hard place, the tendency is that every, everything's, yeah, everything's, everything's a an high end of yeah. the scale. And you, and you sort of want to say now, come on, everything in your relationship is not an eight. Probably you're seeing it like it's an eight because of the way you're focusing and thinking about it, but helping think about, okay, is this really an eight? And that way we get some reality check to kind of how big a deal this issue is it's come up so let's categorize it and then let's decide if it's a seven we got to have some time to sit down and talk about this the seven isn't probably going away unless we deal with it and get some resolution a one or a two we're probably going to just not even think about again so it was a great thing and we call it sort of the conflict scale hey where is it is it something i can overlook or is it something we need to deal with uh Let's talk about withholds for a minute, because that's something that we've sort of put into practice and we encourage couples to do. And it's a way of not letting things build up. Right. So part of the communication, part of also dealing with conflict is something that we call withholds. And basically it works like this. Uh, You know, those things happen throughout the week that, you know, something's bothered us, something's irritated us. Maybe it's something we find out when the other person's at work and so they're not there to talk to. And, you know, we do, they're not there to deal with it right now. It's not one of those immediate kind of things. But if you're not careful, those things can sort of start building up and something small can be something a lot bigger. So what withholds are, get together, and it can be once a week, a couple times a week, whatever you, whatever you need to do. And it's a time that you're going to say to your spouse, hey, this is something I didn't get a chance to mention, but this really bothered me. But here's the rules with withholds. 
for every sort of little negative, for every little criticism or whatever it might be or thing that bothered you, you got to give two positives. And so what it does is it balances it out. One, it forces you to look for the positive. Yeah. But it also keeps things balanced. And it's not like you're beating up on the person. Because first you're going to come to them and you're going to say, man, Carla, I so appreciate this. You did this great. Man, when you clean the dishes after I cook, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. But, you know, when when you spoke this way to me, that just really hurt my feelings. Here's the rule. When someone gives you a positive, all you can say is... Thank you. Thank you. And then once they've sort of given the thing, the, the criticism, the thing that bothered them, you can't respond for 30 minutes. Why? Because it's the idea that if you say to someone, you know, the other night we were at dinner and you said so-and-so, that really hurt my feelings, but I didn't want to make a big deal about it. So if that kind of hits you in the wrong way, you might want to react or get defensive about what you said, or I didn't say that or whatever. This allows the emotions to kind of come out of it. And so it gives a more control, safe way to deal with it. All right. We said last time that when you get into, start getting into fall and especially getting into winter, man, that is not the time to go it alone. Get some help, get some counsel, coaching, marriage counseling, find a mentor to help you work through things. But hopefully, if you'd start practicing some of the tools that we've mentioned tonight, some of the ones, one I would mention, and we did a podcast on this, I would really encourage you to go back. It's called the SAFE method. It's a way to bring something up that doesn't really criticize. It just says to your partner, hey, when this happened, this is the way it made me feel. Uh, we have a podcast on that. We don't have time to go in it today. But man, be intentional. And the tools that we've given you, and again, hey, reach out to us if you want us to send you some information about this. Man, you make those a regular part of your relationship, and it can keep you in that perpetual spring and summertime. Yes, it can. Any last words, babe? Nope. Even though, like I said, I love fall and winter, but it's not the best place to be in your marriage. So, you want to try to do everything you can to stay in the blooming time. Stay in the blooming time. Build, be intentional. Build that strong foundation for your marriage so that when things happen and you start going through rough patches, man, that foundation is going to hold you true and it's going to carry you through that. All right. Again, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to be with us. And, uh, man, our prayer for you is that you will keep on forging strong marriages.